Welcome to the Citizens Youth Sermon Podcast. We are a ministry of Northwest Gospel Church and a community of students who are learning to live for Jesus. We meet every Wednesday at 7 p.m. To find out more, visit nwgospel.com slash citizens. Did you guys just say shoot? That's really weird. It's really not the first. <laughs> oh, no. We can't get it started now because then we just won't stop. So it's, it's time to open up our Bibles. It's time to focus. We can say sheesh all we want later. Hey, it's good to be with you guys tonight. How we doing? You guys doing well? Good. Welcome to summertime at Citizens Youth. You guys excited for that? It's officially summer. If you're still in school, I can't believe that. That is so sad. Welcome to summertime. And uh, you get to take a break from school. We get to take a break from real life for a little bit, and we get to just kind of chill all summer, which is awesome, which is very cool. But we are still going to meet here every single Wednesday night because of what that verse just said, right? We're not going to take a break from church. We're not going to take a break from the community that God has given us. We're not going to take a break from learning from his word because those are essential to us as Christians. Those are uh, things that we need constantly in order to be growing as a believer, in order to be growing as a Christian. And so if you're here in this room tonight, and this is like your first or second time at Citizens, welcome. Uh, I'm so glad that you're here with us tonight. I'm so glad that you have joined us tonight. And then if you're in sixth grade, like now officially in sixth grade, you are like here for the first time. I'm so glad you're here. Welcome into this community. Uh, You guys are awesome already. I'm so pumped that you guys are here. And we're doing something a little bit different tonight. So if you didn't know, we open up God's word every single week and we uh, see what his word has to say. We see what the text has to say for us. And we uh, bet to the best of our ability to apply these truths to our hearts and to the weeks of our lives. But sometimes we do these things called uh, ethos nights, right? And we, uh, we take a minute to press pause on like whatever series that we're in or whatever we wanted to do. And we take a, a glimpse into like, what are we doing at Citizens Youth, and why do we do it? Like, who are we at Citizens Youth, like, and why do we do the things that we do? If you didn't grow up in church, if you um, are new to Christianity, you're new to the church, that's awesome. I'm so glad you're here. And sometimes I've noticed, uh, you know, I grew up in the church, and so for me, uh, the things that we do here every single week, they are, uh, I'm used to them, I grew up doing them, I've, like, understood them. But sometimes, especially if you're new to Christianity, you kind of can, like, press pause on the day-in, day-out, week-in, week-out thing of church, And you're like, man, like, why do we sing? Why do we meet every week? Why do we read from the Bible? Like, why do we do the things that we do? And here at Citizens, we uh, do uh, the things that we do for the one mission of Citizens Youth. We are a community of students learning to live for Jesus Christ. And if you've been around uh, Citizens for a while, you know that we have six things, six discipleship values that we really hold close. We have convictions on these six things and we are uh, gonna stick to them. We may uh, like call them different things. We may rechange the wording, but these are six things that make citizens what citizens is. And sometimes we just take a break and we talk about one of those things from scripture. And tonight we are talking about our discipleship value, cultivating Christ-centered community, cultivating christ centered community. It's in our name of Citizens Youth. It's like in our mission statement. We're a community of students learning to live for Jesus Christ. And community, that's one of those like big like Christianese words, right? Like if someone's doing announcements and they like lose their train of thought, sometimes they'll just like throw out the word community or like, you know, like I've been going to church for 24 years. Like we can laugh and joke about how weird Christians are, right? It's okay. Like you know, they'll just like throw words like community out or like, isn't it good to be like together in community? And so sometimes we like hear that word, we hear that reality and we're like, what does that actually mean? What does God's word actually have to say about community and why do we need it? What is community? Who should I have in my community? Why is community important? Why is that important for us? Go ahead and open up your Bibles to Philippians chapter two. Philippians chapter 2, and we're going to see a very clear calling from Paul, the writer of the the book of Philippians, into why we as Christians need community. And he's going to show us, he's going to give us examples of how uh, to build that community 
based off of Jesus's example of humility. And we're gonna dive into that together. But friends, I want you, as you're flipping there, once you get there, I want you to look, back, uh, look up here, look back at me, and I want you to grasp onto this truth before we even begin, before we even dive into what the text has to say, and that is this reality, that you and I are made for community. There is something inside of each and every one of us that longs for and desires to be in community. I don't care if you're like the extrovert of all extroverts, and you're like, yeah, I love being around people all the time, right? And I don't care if you're like so introverted, like coming here is like sometimes a chore. You feel like, oh, there's other people there. I don't know. I don't care if you're an introvert, an extrovert, a leader, or you don't feel called to be a leader, whether you, whatever your personality type is, you and I are made for community. We are made to be physically together, right? We are called to be uh, close to one another. We are called to be in community because God made us in his image, all right? So tracking back to the very beginning of it all, like when God made Adam, the first dude ever, and God, uh, you know, makes this dude and he uh, says everything is good, everything's perfect, there's no sin that has entered the world yet. He, God says this one thing about Adam. He's like, you know what's really not good about this situation? Go back and read it if you don't believe me. God's like, it's not good for man to like be by themselves. It's not good for Adam to be all alone. And there, even before sin enters the world, have you ever thought about that? Before like everything is, before everything is messed up, God is still like, you know, I made this guy, he's great, he's perfect, he hasn't sinned, but like, I don't think he should be by himself. I don't think he should be isolated. I'm going to create community for him. And God himself exists in community with himself. Have you ever thought about that? Like God, the, the, like the Trinity, I don't want to talk too much about the Trinity or like all of our heads are going to like fall off because it's so confusing, but God exists in community with himself. He is constantly with himself, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. We're made in his image and his likeness. So you and I are created for community. We need it. We desire it. We long for it. And we've seen recently in the past years the consequences of being isolated. We see statistics of suicidal thoughts. We see statistics of uh, mental health crises. These numbers are going in direct correlation with the pandemic because I believe isolation and the pressures surrounding it. We were not made to live alone. I don't care if you have conflict with someone, you're not supposed to be by yourself. I don't care if you've been hurt by people in the past, you are called to be in community. And so we at Citizens, we are all about creating and cultivating a Christ-centered community. And there is an important element, something that is needed to create a Christ-centered community. There is something that is so essential to this process that we're gonna see in this passage. So looking at this house, like look at this beautiful house. I didn't paint this picture, but it's a wonderful house. Um, homes, buildings, things like that, they aren't just like built by like accident. You aren't just like one day like, hey, I think I'm gonna like build a house. Let me just like think really hard and like let me manifest a house right now, right? What, it takes time. It takes, a, a, you know, a schedule. It takes tools. It takes workers. It takes vision. It takes leadership. It takes a long time to build a house. Depending on how many people you have, it could take a really long time, right? I have here this uh, giant Jenga tower and uh, I'm not too good at Jenga. But we all know the premise of Jenga, right? We have all these interlocking pieces that work together to build this tower. And you're gonna need a lot of skill, right? See, I'm already messing it up, right? You're gonna, you're gonna need a lot of skill and competency and patience and thoughtfulness as you are trying to build and you are trying to grow. See, I get, how do you do this? I'm not good at this. This tower. And once again, Noah's gonna continue his streak of ruining his own illustrations in the middle of the sermon. And so, like this Jenga tower, we can laugh at that, yeah, it's okay. <laughs> like this Jenga tower, right? There are some things, if I just approach this and I go sideways on it, if I, if I decide to uh, completely go too quick, if I'm not thinking too clearly about it, if I'm impatient, right? If I do certain things, this whole thing is gonna come tumbling down. Building our home, that's the picture of community, a house. 
Not just like we are uh, inviting you into an actual space, but we together, the Christians here in Citizens Youth, we collectively make a home for people to come to. Not this building, right? We can meet in another building and still be the church, still be Citizens Youth, right? We're gonna do that in a couple months at camp or weeks. Oh my goodness, a couple weeks at camp, right? We collectively make this thing, this community, this home, this place where Christ is edified. And you are an essential part of that process. But I mentioned it before, there are certain things that are absolutely crucial. It doesn't just happen, you don't just build it. And if you're not careful with it, it can all come crumbling down. What is the one tool, the one ingredient that you need, that we need in order to build community? Here, I'll tell you, it's this one thing, humility. Humility. Humility is essential for community. It is only through Christ-like humility that we can build a Christ-like community. We're gonna talk about this from this text. It's essential to us to be in community, but in order to have community, you have to be humble. Selfishness and pride have to be left at the door when you are engaging in, in mission and you are cultivating Christ-centered community. In your small groups here at Citizens Youth, in your family, pride and selfishness need to absolutely be checked out the door. And humility, constant humility, constant service to our fellow brothers and sisters is what is going to be the thing that builds this community and it's going to grow this community. You might be listening to this and you're like, okay, that sounds good. Prove it to me. Okay, I will. Philippians chapter two, starting in verse one, going through verse 11. Verse one says this. So if there's any encouragement in Christ, any comfort from love, any participation in the spirit, any affection and sympathy, complete my joy by being of the same mind, having the same love, being in full accord and of one mind. Do nothing, nothing, from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you look not only to uh, his own interests, but also to the interests of others. Have this mind amongst yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but he emptied himself by taking the form of a servant. Being born in the likeness of men and being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Therefore, God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven, on earth, and under the earth, and in every tongue confess that Jesus is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Let's pray and then dive into this text. We love you. God, thank you for this day. We love you. We are so thankful to be here. God, we know that we are made for community. We know that we are, are made to be living uh, with one another. We're made to be uh, in community with our fellow believers, our fellow Christians, our brothers and sisters in Jesus. Help us to realize that we only gain this Christ-like community through humility. Help us to remember that. Help us to be uh, convicted in the areas we need to be convicted and help us to be encouraged in the ways that uh, you would encourage us tonight. We love you. Uh, it's all this we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. A little bit of context for us. Paul wrote Philippians, and Paul is writing this uh, to the first century church, first century believers. He is writing this to them from a prison cell. Uh-oh. Not great. Paul got busted. He's in jail for like preaching the gospel. So like he's in a jail for like a cool reason. And um, yeah, like, you know, it's kind of a cool thing. He's like this guy, he is, uh, you know, before he's Paul, he saw he's persecuting Christians. He's one of the religious elite. So he's trying to uh, obtain and keep power and wealth and influence. And so he's persecuting this Jesus movement. And then all of a sudden he like meets Jesus and he's like, I get it now. And then he completely turns his life around and he is now preaching to the people that he was persecuting before. And he's planting churches and he's going all around and he is put in jail because of this. And he is writing this letter to the first church he planted in Philippi. And he says this, if there's any encouragement 
in Christ, any comfort from love, any participation in the Spirit, any affection and sympathy, complete my joy by being of the same mind, having the same love, being in full accord and of one mind. Friends, the first point tonight, the, the, the point that is super obvious from this text, but we have to understand before we move forward, is God's children are called to be united together. God's children are called to be united together. You can't read verse two and say, well, you know, people are always gonna be in conflict. It's like, whatever. Or, well, you know, like, it's okay. Like, things come up in the church all the time. Or we can gossip, or we can kind of uh, decide to be like this. God's people are called to be united together. The first verse is just an introduction to this new thought. It's a hypothetical question, all right? Very James-like, you know? He's like, so if there's any encouragement in Christ, aka if you know Jesus, if you've been encouraged by him, if you're following after Jesus, complete my joy, make me the happiest pastor from a prison cell ever by being of the same mind and of one accord and loving the same thing. We as Christians, when we cultivate this Christ-centered community, we're called to have the same mind, the same attitude. We're supposed to love the same things and hate the same things. We're supposed to be on the same page with one another. And now you look across this room right now in this moment and you think, okay, there's a lot of people in this room. All of us? Like, really? Sure, like, I get it. There's a ton of us and, you know, maybe they all get along and maybe this group gets along. And I have like my four people that I really get along with, but like everyone is supposed to get along with one another. Everyone's supposed to be united together in the same attitude and the same mindset. Yes, absolutely. The world tells us, hey, find like your crew and just kind of like kick it with them and that's it, you know? Like if you're a theater nerd, boom, hang out with the theater kids, done, perfect. Other people, don't worry about them, you know, it's fine. But we as Christian, Paul says, be united together in love. Have the same attitude, have the same mindset. That's what we are called to be. Now, I know what you're thinking, I know the hesitancy. Everyone in this room is like super different, right? Everybody in this room is super different. There's people in the room who like sports, who are all about sports, who are, are in it, and they are, they are uh, they're loving it. And then you have people who are uh, maybe more interested in academia. They're like super thinking about their SAT tests coming up, and they're like, yes, I can't wait to study. I can't wait to like ace this test, right? There's a few of you. Don't pretend. You're like, oh, dude, that's not me. And you shove your calculator back in your pocket. You're like, that's not me. <laughs> not at all. Not in this room, right? No way. Right, you have your theater nerds, you have uh, people who are just like totally in the pop culture stuff like Star Wars and Marvel. You're like, yes. Yeah, that's a, like a lot of people in this room. I didn't wanna say it, but that's like most of us. But he created us with different personalities, different interests, different likings, different things. And more than that, he also gave us like things that drive us, things that motivate us, introverts, extroverts, people who want to be leaders, people who are natural born leaders, people who are growing in their leadership and people who just like uh, don't want to lead and people who are uh, interested in, in, in kind of, uh, you know, taking a, a backseat in the, or, a, or a, a perspective of someone who just wants to serve. Like God has made us and created us in a bunch of different ways. And in the mix and the array of different personalities that we have represented in this room, we are still called to have the same love, the same affection, and the same mindset of who? Verse five says this, have this mind amongst yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus. We're supposed to have the same attitude of the one that we are worshiping, Jesus Christ himself. We are called, and we're gonna talk about this here in a second, to be and to act and to have the perspective of Jesus. And I believe that God's idea for community God's plan for community, God's purpose for community, it goes deeper than personality. It goes way deeper than personality. The world will tell you, well, in this company, if you are a hard worker and like you like sports, like you'll probably fit in with like the execs and you'll like get ahead in life. Or like this one school will tell you like, if you, uh, you know, if you're in this group, if you really like Hamilton and you love singing it like at the top of your lungs, like you're gonna fit in with that group, right? The world tries to split us by our different uh, personalities and our different perspectives. But here, God's community is deeper than personality. 
if you're in this room right now and you're like, I just don't feel like I fit in, we're not a, a personality-driven ministry. We don't promote a certain type of perspective, a certain type of uh, personality that like, should thrive here. We invite people into relationship with Jesus. And Paul is saying, be united in the same mindset of Jesus Christ. So is, uh, you know, community, Christ-centered community, is that just like a fun Christian word we throw out there to make people be like, yeah, that's awesome. No, it's a, it's a commandment from the Lord. It is a conviction uh, of us at Citizens Youth and the leaders here. It is something that we believe that every person in this room desperately needs. It is so serious, and we are so serious about it. It's why we meet every Wednesday. We very rarely take a break because we always love being with you guys. We love seeing you, and we love you guys showing up because we need Christ-centered communities. So it's more than personality. We're called to have the same mindset. We are called to be united in love. We are called to check our attitude and to check our perspective. Paul isn't saying, hey, fake it, like fake your, like what you're interested in, kind of like fake your personality to fit in. No, be united together in this one thing. It's kind of like if you had a football team, you have different players, different, you know, roles. You got one quarterback and you have the kicker and I'm quickly realizing I don't know all the terms in football. Linebacker's one of them, uh, right? Yeah? Wide receiver, that's okay, I know more than I thought. Um, so anyways, you have all these different like types of players, but they have one attitude, and what is that? Win the game, move the ball forward, advance, touchdown, you know, sports, all these things. All right, I digress. I'm not gonna make fun of myself anymore tonight. I'm not gonna do it. And that's what we're supposed to be. Different roles, different realities, but we have one mindset to have the attitude like Jesus Christ to promote Jesus, to know Jesus, and to act like Jesus. That's how we build Christ-centered community. So, looking on, continuing on in the text, it says, have the same mind which is in Christ Jesus. Do this. It's a high goal. It's a good goal to have. But something stands in the way of our community. Something stands in the way of you and I actually connecting, linking arms with one another, loving one another. What is it that separates us from true community? What is it that can completely wreck the community that God is trying to build here at Citizens Youth? Verse 3 says this, do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, hmm. but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also to the interests of others. We see the reality of what is happening in this church. We see some people who are super united in Christ and they watch Jesus perform miracles and then the rubber meets the road and Christians start turning on themselves. They start thinking about themselves. They start thinking about, hey, what's the comfort I need? What's the wealth I need? What are the things that I need, right? And they're kind of walking away and stepping away from this great unification that happened in the book of Acts. And, and Paul is saying, hey, don't be selfish. Don't be conceited. Don't think about your own perspective, your own interests. Think about others constantly. Because selfishness always tears down what God is building. Selfishness always tears down, tears down what God is building. If God is building something up, he is blessing something. You're not going to see that thing torpedoed more, destroyed more than when people start acting selfishly and pridefully. Because it's like the complete opposite of who Jesus is. And so it's like not going to be blessed at that point. But selfishness, our selfishness, our own pride or conceit as this text uses, ruins and rips apart community. It shreds apart the thing that God is building. So what does that mean? Do nothing from selfish ambition. What does selfishness mean? I would say that selfishness is when you can barely or maybe not even at all recognize other people's needs, wants, or desires. If you like can't understand what other people want like at all, that probably means you're like a little selfish, maybe a lot of selfish, right? If, if somebody is talking to you and they're talking to you and the only thing you can think about is like, how am I gonna respond to this person? Probably means you're thinking very selfishly. 
If somebody is explaining something really cool that they got to do, they like went on this cool vacation or they got this great job opportunity and they're going on and on about it. And the first thing that you think of is, hey, I do cool stuff too. Let me tell this person. They need to know how, what the like, cool things I do are. Might be a sign that you're acting selfishly. Or if somebody comes to you and they're like, hey, can you help me with this thing? And you're like, oh. You want me to help you right now? Like right now? I was just going to watch TikTok for two hours in my bed. And you want me to help you? Right now? Oh, I guess. Right? Don't act like you don't do that. You're like, I'm busy. I'm really busy. I promise. I feel like old man yelling at clouds right now. I do the same thing. But like... You know, selfishness that divides us. It rips apart the thing that God wants to build in your family, in your community group, in uh, this ministry at Citizens Youth. Selfishness completely tears what God is building apart. God wants us to be united in friendship, but selfishness divides us. So if we think of uh, this ministry, if we think of our community as like this precious building that I have built, I thought it, I think it looks pretty good, not gonna lie. If we view ourselves as pieces of this building and pieces of this Jenga tower, right? And everybody's goal is to put themselves on top, what's gonna happen, right? If you're like, okay, I am, uh, you know, I think I got my stuff going on pretty much today. I'm gonna try and put myself here, uh, right here on top, right? This is what I'm supposed to do. And everybody, every single person on this tower has the perspective, there's one that's loose. I'm gonna put myself on top and it's all about me. It's about my comfort, it's about my energy, it's about my time, it's about me, 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 me. If everybody has that perspective all at once, what happens? If we're constantly trying to put ourselves on top, it's not gonna go too well right? It's, it's not going to go too well. If you're constantly looking to your own perspective, if you're constantly looking to put yourself on top and to allow yourself to be the king of your universe and to allow yourself to be the king of your friend group, your small group, whatever it may be, we're completely tearing down the thing that God wants to build up. Selfishness tears us apart. So what is the solution then to this thing? What's the reality of what we can do? Because we're all selfish. Like we all got super convicted like when we were reading this verse. What is the thing that we can do? But, right? God being loving and kind doesn't just say, hey, don't be selfish. He shows us how. He gives us examples. He shepherds our hearts. He guides us into how we can be less selfish. But in humility, count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you, Look not only to your own interests, but also to the interests of others. That's the solution to selfishness, humility. That's the solution. And it's hard. And it's weird and can feel awkward. But that is what we are called to do. What's the solution? But in humility, count others more significant than you. I think we have like a serious significance problem, right, in this day and age. We really like to look to ourselves. We really like to look to our perspectives. And we kind of puff ourselves up like a lot, you know. We, we kind of think of ourselves as very, very significant. When the solution the whole time is not to, and, and like people give you this advice. People are like, well, you just need to be more confident. You just need to, uh, you know, be more confident. You need to pep yourself, like hype yourself up, give yourself a pep talk in the morning. Like you can, you can really be confident, right? But maybe the exact opposite is key. To view others as more significant and more important than yourself. There's this amazing quote, and if you take this truth to heart, it could really change your life. Humility isn't thinking less of yourself. Humility is thinking about yourself less. That's what true humility is, right? Some people would like to say, you know, if, if you're rocking it in life 
and you got all A's on a test, and you have a lot of friends, and you're feeling fresh about life, some people will be like, oh, I have to be humble. Let me just think of like 10 reasons why I suck right now. Like, can we say that in church? I don't know. But like, like, oh man, I, I, I'm sure I could have gotten an A plus on the test or, you know, it's not thinking less of yourself. It's not looking for reasons to criticize yourself and to point at reasons why you're not good enough, but it's to think about yourself less, to think about your ideas, your motivations, your heart, your things that you need, but just like think about those things a little less. Just like tone the dial down a little bit on those things. You can still have confidence from the Lord. You can still be excited about life and excited about your giftings. But maybe think about yourself a little less. What you want, what you desire. Humility. In humility, we count others more significant than ourselves. And this is how we build community. This is how we build community here at Citizens Youth. And this is how you have to build community in the church you're going to be a part of in 10 years, 15 years down the road, wherever it is that you go in life. Humility is the key. And humility is simply getting low and serving. Humility is just getting low and serving other people and saying this one simple phrase, you before me. You are before me. I'm not more important than you. You don't owe me anything. You don't, like, need to do things for me. You, person, fellow Christian, are before me. So when your brother or sister walks in the room at night and they are like, hey, let's hang out and talk, and you're like, man, I just want to watch TikTok for a couple hours. In that moment, humility, right? You're more significant in my life right now. So I'm going to put myself at the very bottom of this tower, the very bottom, the lowest of the low. I'm going to take the form of a servant in this situation and talk to you and pray with you. Maybe there's a, a person in your class, you know, might be just a little bit different than you. And you, they, they walk up to you one day and they talk to you and you're like, man, if someone else sees me with them, like my like creds are going to go way down because I'm like talking to a big nerd, Right. Just maybe say, that's like the lamest thing I've ever heard. And be humble and count that person more significant than you. And say, I'm going to put myself at the very bottom of this. I'm going to take on the form of a servant. When somebody needs something from you and it's at a pretty inconvenient time, I'm at the bottom of this thing. I'm just going to do it. Right? If somebody uh, that you like work for in the future or somebody works for you in the future and they just need extra help at work, I'll step in. I'll help you out because I am at the bottom. And do you see what is happening when we all have that perspective? We are constantly building up the kingdom of God when we are putting ourselves on the bottom. And this is the upside down nature of God's kingdom. We all put ourselves in the humble servant's position. We all put ourselves in the position of I am at the bottom of this thing. And what is Christ doing the whole time? He's building the, your community. He's building your community. Don't believe me? Try it. For real. Like, for real, try it. See what happens. See what happens when you take on the form of a servant when the world tells you to be a prideful little jerk. God brings you people. God brings you people, and God uh, it, it shines his light in and through you. That's what happens when we constantly tell ourselves, you know what? I'm going to constantly be on the bottom. I'm constantly going to serve others. God builds his church, and God builds this community through that. When selfishness does the exact opposite. When selfishness will divide us, I often think that like sinful conflicts with Christians happens when we like perceive that like we have unmet expectations. So much sinful conflict with other Christians happen when we have, it always starts with one thing typically and it's typically pride. We have the perspective of, hey, you should have done, you should have done this for me because what? I'm significant. You should have done this for me and now I'm gonna get back at you. I'm gonna gossip about you I'm going to lie about you. I'm going to 
uh, be like toxically untrusting of you, right? That's what happens when we feel like we have unmet expectations in our lives and in our hearts with other Christians. But what if we completely flip that perspective and say, you know what? You, fellow Christian, you don't owe me anything. Actually, I owe you something because of what Christ's word has to say. I am indebted to you in service. Now, what if both parties had that perspective? Even if there's healthy tension, what if both parties had that perspective? An entirely different outcome. That's who we're called to be. So when we have tension, when we have difficult moments, difficult times, if we constantly have the perspective of, I owe you, I need to serve you, you don't owe me anything, I don't owe you anything, what happens? Christ's church is going to be unified. Your small group is going to be unified. Your family is going to be unified. God wants us to be unified. But when we look at ourselves as significant, as important, as the person who is owed things, it doesn't work. It doesn't work. Let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also to the interests of others. How are you doing in that world right now? your friends, your family, your siblings? Are you looking to their own in, or to their interests? Are you truly, genuinely interested in the things that they're interested in and the things that they are desiring and the, the, the lifestyle that they are uh, embarking on or in the, like, uh, the thing that they have set in their hearts as like a goal of their lives? Are you really interested in those things? Or do you just like tolerate them? Do you just think about them, right? Look actively to the interests of other people. It's not like, okay, this person's in the room with me. My goal is to convince them that I'm like awesome. It's like, no, what are you interested in? What are you thinking about your life? That's my role whenever I walk into a room. That should be your role when you walk into a room. Let it not be the opposite way. That's when community just gets completely knocked down. When we go to our small groups, when we are engaging with our families, you before me, let me look to your own interests. For me personally, this manifests itself in a couple ways. I, um, I had a group of guys that I was mentoring and like discipling back a couple years ago. Uh, and they were sixth graders when I first met them. Now they're gonna be like sophomores, which is wild. And so I like first met them and man, they were all into like Fortnite, like back when it first came out. So it was like 2017, 18. Well, like, you know, it was getting popular. And I was like, man, I I'm terrible at this game. This is kind of weird to me. But what did I do every single time that they asked me to play? Sure, I'll play. I will look to your own interests. And then it gets worse. In like seventh and eighth grade, they all decide that they're going to get into sports now. <sighs> Here we are again. And... They're constantly like, let's play basketball. And I'm like, I would rather go back to playing Fortnite because now I'm hooked on Fortnite. And then it's like, no, I'm constantly having to what? And I'm like not trying to put myself as the hero of the story because I'm not because the point is I didn't want to do any of these things, right? What does this communicate when we look to someone else's interests? When we actively say, yes, I will do the thing that you're interested in. I will join you on this thing that I don't really want to do. What does it communicate? you're more significant than me. What is that in your life right now? Is there a sibling, is there a parent, is there a person in your small group that you need to be united with tonight? How can you look to their interests? How can you look to them? What is that story, what is that thing in your life right now? If somebody just wants to get coffee on like a Saturday and you just want it to sleep in, you saying yes says, you're more significant than me. And there's boundaries, there's personal space, there's things like that that you pray through and that you can't take advantage of or be taken advantage of. But more often than not, it's mostly us just being selfish. You before me. You before me. And it's not disingenuous. It's not saying like, I have to change my personality. No, it's actively denying the voice that tells you that you're the most important person in the room. When you walk in here and you think, man, I'm pretty like important right now and my small group should think I'm important. It's actively denying that voice. It's saying, I'm not gonna listen to that voice today. I'm going to listen to the voice of God through his word and say that you are more significant than me. Let each of you not look only to his own interests, but also to the interests of others. 
In humility, we count others more important than ourselves. And this is how we build a Christ-centered community. It is impossible to be united together and to look at yourself as like the most significant person in the room. It's not gonna happen. And we're passionate about this. I'm passionate about this because I don't want that to be the case here at Citizens. I want us to be a Christ-centered community like always. I'm passionate about it. And if I see it happening, I'm gonna be passionate about it. Like if there's a problem with it, I'm gonna be passionate about correcting it and showing how we need to view others more significant than ourselves. And let me just take a, a minute to note this one thing. I feel like Citizens does a pretty good job at this, right? A lot of, a lot of sermons are really convicting. You're like, man, I need to change everything about my life right now. I feel like Citizens has done and has built a really healthy community where the seniors embrace the sixth graders, where upperclassmen embrace like awkward, loving middle schoolers. We love you. You're the best, right? Right? Citizens has done a really good job at that, but I want to continue in that, and I want to continue to build that. In humility, we count others more significant than ourselves. Why? Why do we do this, right? It sounds good. I know it's in the Bible, but why do we do this? And Paul does this classic thing where he's like, here's my idea, and here's Jesus again. Remember him. Oh, verse 5, it says this. Have this mind amongst yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped. But he emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men, and being found in human form. He humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death even death on a cross. Therefore, God has highly exalted him and bestowed upon him the name that is above every name, so that in the name of Jesus, every knee shall bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. This is the backwards reality of God's kingdom. This is, this is the upside down nature of what God does and who he is. The most humble person is now the most exalted. In the kingdom of God, humility is exalted. Humility is promoted. The person who emptied himself the most, Jesus, the one who humbled himself the most, is now the person who will be the most exalted. That's no accident. That's no like, oh, look at that. That's kind of fun, right? This is intentional. This is what God is showing us. This is what Paul is explaining. Jesus, the son of God, has everything he ever needs forever and always in heaven. And he says, you know what? In order to build a bridge, in order to bring the people of God back to me, I'm going to take the form of a servant. And I'm not just gonna like come down and kick it on earth and like have a big mansion for a couple years. No, I'm going to serve and even be obedient to the point of what? Death. And then not just death, but like the worst kind of death imaginable. And now he's the most exalted. And we're never gonna outserve Jesus. We can try all our lives, it's not gonna happen. We're never gonna be able to outserve Jesus, but we follow in his footsteps and we serve like him and we act like him. And we have what? Verse five, we have that mind, that attitude, that perspective, that thought constantly of I am a servant now to all. I am a servant. You look at that word emptied, you know, but he emptied himself. And we as people like, we hear that word empty and we're like, that's pretty like, empty things are pretty useless, right? If you have a car, and the engine, like the tank is empty, you have no gas, it's like, oh, well, this car is not gonna go anywhere, and what's the point, right? If you go to Taco Bell, and they give you your bag, and you're like, the bag's empty, like, what? I'm freaking out right now, give me my tacos, right, you know? Empty things aren't really, like, super cool. Empty things are lame, so if you look at this empty jar, we look at this empty jar, and we're like, man, we need to, like, imagine this is us, this is our lives, this is our day-to-day, uh, nine-to-five, day, nine wake up, we live life. It's like, man, empty? That's kind of like, 
kind of weird. I need, to, I need to fill this thing up with a couple things. Let me like, uh, what, what can I fill this thing up with? Oh, I got my, my perspective, right? My perspective. Let me fill things up like that. What, what else do I got? Oh, I have, my, I have my looks, right? Okay, cool. I got my looks. I'll fill that up. All right, cool. I, I've got my smarts. Very intentionally use that word. I'm pretty smart, right? I'm going to use my smarts. I got them in here. Um, and then what else do I have? I have my leadership skills, right? And we constantly are looking to things to fill us up. And we kind of measure ourselves and we're like, all right, cool. I got leadership looks, kind of these things, right? And this is what we try and offer the people. We try and offer these things to people, right? But ultimately, they're flawed. They're shallow. They're not going to bring you true joy and success. But then we have Jesus, who is already full of the riches of heaven. He is full of the glory of God. He is truly fulfilled. He is truly everything. And what does this verse say? This verse says that God, Jesus, emptied himself. And he took on the form of a servant. And that's what he does. In what universe do we see that happen? We see that highlighted in scripture and we look at this and we're like, yeah, but I got my looks and my personality and this and that, right? We are called to do the same thing. We are called to do the same thing. Citizens, youth, we are called to pour ourselves out, to empty ourselves constantly of the things that the world would show us and the, uh, the world would point to us as significant, things that are important. We are called to empty ourselves constantly, to pour ourselves out. The person who truly grasps the holiness of Jesus and the service that he has implemented here on this earth that we see through scripture, the person who really knows Jesus and who understands what he did for us, but yet still thinks of themselves as significant, I just, there has to be a disconnect there, right? Like the person who really truly believes that Jesus Christ was the servant of all and the son of God, that person who truly grasps that will never, ever, for the rest of their days, look at themselves as significant. They will never look at themselves as having it all together, knowing exactly what to do. They will never look at themselves as above service to other people, if you truly grasp who Jesus is. And so if you're in this room right now like me, and I'm like, man, I don't serve other people all the time. I don't constantly go out of my way to try and serve and love other people. Is it because I don't really have a grasp on who Jesus is and what he has done? And that's a very real question to ask yourselves. In the days I don't want to serve, I have to look back at Jesus and say, did I get it? Do I get it? Did Jesus really do that? Is Jesus really God and did he really die for me? What do I have to give to other people? We always are looking to Jesus. Jesus is our model of humility. In the kingdom of God, service is exalted. The most humble person, the humbled person, the most humbled person in the world is now the most praised and the person who will be praised forever. That's who we sing to. That's what we've dedicated this ministry to. That's what it's all about in our lives. That's who we are. So friends, that is who we have to be. We're a community of students learning to live for Jesus. We are constantly building up our community. We're constantly building up who we are in Christ. So as we close the service, as the band comes up, I want us to think about this idea of pride and thinking of this idea of significance looking to ourselves as the most significant, uh, looking to ourselves as the most important person in the room. When pride and selfishness creeps into our lives, what's the solution, right? What do we do? We have to count others more significant than ourselves. We have to constantly look towards other people and look for ways to serve. But sometimes we talk about pride and we talk about selfishness. We talk about these things, but we often don't talk about the unintended consequence of these sins. 
That's like the thing about sin. It lies to you. You think you're going to get one thing, respect, power, money, like whatever you think it is, and you get the opposite, right? When we look to ourselves, when we engage in pride, when we engage what? In uh, uh, selfishness. And we say, you know, imagine this is you. You're this block. And you say, you know what? Nobody really is on the same page with me about how cool I am. Nobody's really on the same page with me about how significant I am. Nobody's serving me. What's the unintended consequence of this sin? Well, I'm just going to go over here. If people don't recognize how great I am, if people don't recognize how significant and important I am, I'm just going to be separate from those people. Because the hidden consequence of pride is isolation. The hidden consequence of selfishness is isolation. You will drive people away from you and you will drive yourself away from people constantly. And we don't want that for you. I don't want that for you. We pray against that. And that's why a community is important. And that's why selfishness needs to be dealt with and pride needs to be checked at the door because you are a part of this community. If you're like brand new, you're like, I'm new to this thing. I don't know if like, welcome, we love you. We want you to be a part of this community. But if you are a part of this community, you play an important part here at Citizens Youth. And we are called to be constantly together. You are a small piece of this amazing thing that we are trying to build. And we're constantly putting ourselves at the bottom, yeah? That's what we get to do. And so we have this thing for you as this, this, this next song sings. We have this mini Jenga block for you. It's got a little C on it, citizens, citizens, youth. We want everyone in this room to take one of these. We want you to remember this message, to remember Christ-centered community. I want you to think about it every time you see this. Maybe put it on your side table. Maybe put it somewhere in your car if you drive. And I want you to know that you are a valued member of this community. And I want you to do one thing. I just want you to write your name on it. And I want you to constantly think of yourselves and ourselves together as the lowest on this tower, the lowest on this thing. And we get to watch God build it right before our eyes. So this is for you. I'm gonna pray for us and then we're gonna sing. You guys can come down and do that. God, we love you. We're thankful for you. We're thankful for the opportunity to be a part of this community. God, I pray that we wouldn't look at ourselves as significant. We wouldn't look to ourselves as the most important person in the room. God, thank you for the passion that your word brings about this. God, I pray that we would remember that it is only through Christ-like humility that we can engage in Christ-honoring community. God, it is only through humility that we get to experience the blessings of knowing and being with other people. Thank you for this truth. Thank you for this reality. We love you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.